Welcome to episode 11 of Let's Watch Cop Rock, an 11-episode podcast discussing that classic police procedural rock musical soap opera crime drama, Cop Rock, 11 episodes of which aired on ABC during the fall of 1990. Over the course of this podcast as a whole, we discuss the events of the show, our reactions to the music, and the ways this program worked or didn't work, and why some of it still seems very relevant today. Sometimes we get political, sometimes we crack up uncontrollably. Sometimes we tell unbelievable but entirely true stories of our own lives, interactions with crime or law enforcement or both. Every episode we play good cop, bad cop, or innocent bystander. I confess I've dragged out posting this 11th episode because I haven't quite been ready for Let's Watch Cop Rock to be over. Creating and recording this podcast has been a tremendous pleasure for us, and we hope listening to it has been for you, too. Cop Rock had a lot of problems, but it was also a big, messy, ambitious effort at doing something that felt completely new. Without it, would we have had Glee? Or the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It's one of those things that's hard for me to describe to others because I am so glad it exists, even though I spend a lot of time groaning while I watch it. Recording this has been so much fun, in fact, that when Officer Orifice returns to town a few months from now, we're planning to reassemble this cast into a 12th bonus episode of Let's Watch Cop Rock. So, stay subscribed in your podcast app and look for something in, say, six months. I also want to point out watching this show has made me do a lot of thinking about how I feel towards police, the policies that drive police efforts and tactics, and the politics behind those policies. I say in an earlier episode that it's hard for me to watch cop shows and enjoy them because of some inherent anti-authoritarianism on my part. Like has been said about war movies, it's impossible in some ways to make an anti-war movie that does not glorify war. Even this show which in many ways is a harmless song-and-dance look at a few people who happen to be police, repeatedly depicts abuses of power and authority by the characters who wear a badge. The one storyline that carries from start to finish is the premeditated murder of a suspect by a policeman who worries that suspect is going to get away with it. Over and over again we see police and other authorities abuse their power, take bribes, brag about how they plan to beat someone up, break the law, overstep their bounds, and otherwise depict all those things that drive that anti-authoritarian streak I have. In response to that experience, I recently read Andrea Ritchie's book, Invisible No More, Police Violence Against Black Women and Women of Color. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It gave me a lot to think about, and if the behavior of some of these characters gives you pause at any point, then I recommend you read it too. These are not easy topics to consider or talk about. I like feeling safe. I like resting easy at night, and I like to think I can rest easy at night because the police in my town are here to protect me. The interactions I've had with them have all been professional and compassionate. I've had relationships with people who worked in law enforcement. My own experience has been nothing like the experiences described in the book or like the experiences depicted in Cop Rock. And in its own way, that makes me feel it's even more important that I educate myself about the experiences of people who do not have the same privileges as I do. Watch the 11th episode of Cop Rock before listening. Trust me, it'll make a lot more sense that way. You can get Coprock on Amazon or direct from Shop Factory. There are links for each in the show notes. I want to remind you, we're not affiliated with Shop Factory, we're not affiliated with Coprock, and we gain nothing from your purchase from either source. 
You can find Officer Orifice on Twitter as at Officer Orifice, and I'm there too as at Cop Rocker. Our theme music, as always, is The Crime by Risework, with full attribution in the show notes. And now, let's watch Cop Rock. Down below, went to that hotbed. Still that old devil's no match for you. I'm sure you'll break this dark heart too. Yeah, that's my crime, the crime of love. But I was busted. So, welcome to episode 11 of Let's Watch Cop Rock. The finale. The finale. Bang the pots slowly. I gotta say, I would bang the pots. Yeah. He's a cutie. I think pots is hot. I'm not a pots fan. Hot pots. Hot pots. pots. (laughs) I think he's cute. I I think he's handsome, yeah. 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 He smolders. Like, you know, he's had to do so much of, like, demonstration of, like, anguish and and uncertainty and, oh, mm, be still my beating heart. Mm -hmm. I'm into it. But anyway, a toast to Cop Rock. To Cop Rock. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. It's good. It's cooked around. Um, so, uh, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Sergeant Snell. I'm Detective Dodo. And I'm Officer Orifice. <laughs> I, don't I don't know why it's so funny to me that you said it right this time. Except that it's really fucking funny. Oh my god. Do we get to have a little five minute laughing session? Oh my sweet Jesus. That is still one of my favorite moments ever. Um, I said it's time to come back full circle, I thought. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Quite apt really considering it's an orifice so what a strange episode yeah weird so I, well I'll talk about it when we get there okay I love the opening song the cops who were going undercover as prostitutes last uh, time, this time are going undercover as potential rape victims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. What I wrote down was, I love the badass lady cop song. Give me 11 episodes of that show. <laughs> like, I would, like, for real, give me 11 episodes of Cop Rock, but it's about them. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Because it was the same blonde gal who led the other song in the yeah, previous yeah, episode. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And some of the same backup singers, yeah. too. Yeah. And, as you pointed out... Shadow Crow. Which just blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I couldn't have picked her out. No, as, I but as soon as she opened her, her mouth, if you knew who she was, you it, it, it was uh, you just go like, of course it's Shadow uh, Crow. Because her voice, you know, as soon as she opened her mouth on this, it was like, well, it's Shadow yeah. Crow's voice coming out of her mouth. It, it's her. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she had like the poodle perm and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and she was great. Which is fantastic. I know it's actually, it was like, um, after she'd sung her bit, it was like the camera just hung on her. It did when they were going in the bathroom and then she's in there singing and everybody else walks through and the camera's just like still on her. And I just kind of think that even then, 
you know, they kind of knew sort of like, oh, there's something about this one. Yeah. Because she, when did she really get her break? Like early 90s, like 92? 93, I think. Thing? With the was that Tuesday Night Music Club? Yeah. Was it 93? Something like that, because that's around when, um, yeah. I think so, yeah. I remember being really, really into, um, I still like Shell Crow, uh, but I remember when she when she came out and I was really into her. I bought all the singles on all the formats and I was, I think I was at, uh, in my first year at university, so it would have been mm. 90. 93 to 94 yeah. so yeah it would have been around that time I think I don't think we got the Morse code up the holler until at least 95 <laughs> 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 next time you're in a public space check this bitch out her name is Cheryl Crow <laughs> <laughs> We're always at least five oh years behind. Oh so God. it's possible I was in college at that point, but okay. We're having wine and coffee before every episode. <laughs> <laughs> a little late to determine that again. Well uh, <laughs> I I liked the song. I loved the performance of it. Mm-hmm. Um I um, I was slightly kind of um, uh, um, perturbed, I guess, by the fact that it was a, a song about catching a sexual predator, and it came straight after that opening scene, which I thought was very well done, where um, a, a rape uh, victim was a rape survivor was talking about her experience, and. Um, uh, and then it went into this song, which uh, 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 on its own was fine, but there was a lot of like hypersexualized imagery during that video, and I was kind of thinking that was there was a slight disconnect between the subject matter, which is sexual violence, and then like the over sexualization of the women mm-hmm. in it, and I don't I didn't know how to feel about that. I might have read that wrong. Uh, I don't know because yeah, I'm obviously all for female empowerment, and uh, but I, I, I'm not sure how how um, on point that was. I felt a little weird about how celebrated sexuality was in close proximity yes. to that. Because there's a there's a bit where like um, one of the singers like puts her leg up on the on the chair and like, straps the gun to her inner thigh area, yeah. and it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's that's like the whole you know empowerment thing, but also you know we are ogling at her inner thigh area as well, so that was a bit that was a bit strange, yeah. I thought. Another thing that I thought was strange about it was how, like, one of the very first lines was, can you say police brutality? And somebody else says, oh, I can do more than say it. And and I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I get that we're all into catching this rapist and having horrible things happen to him. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Except that so much of this show has literally been about how fucked everything gets when the police decide, you know what? This person deserves some brutality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. We see more of that in this episode. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's more of what you were talking about in this episode, too. Kind of like the disconnect and... Yeah. Later. Yeah. yeah. So... I don't know. Once again, Coprock, you, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like really enjoyable and yet still quite problematic in parts. It's so, so, I don't know, so self-contradictory. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. My next note is Andy got a haircut and it looks just fine. Did he get a haircut? Yeah, his hair's different in this episode. Oh, okay. I my my one of my parents and one of my siblings used to run a hair salon together, so oh. I am trained to notice these sorts of things. You really do. You're always so good about that. Uh. You always notice when I get my hair done, and you're like, "Oh, it looks good." And I'm like, "Oh my god, you're like the first person I've had notice it in like the last three weeks." <laughs> I've also been waiting for this episode to be over so I can compliment your necklace because it's very clever. Oh, thank oh, yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. I my really, sister got this for me. I really dig it. Yeah, the rain cloud kind yeah. of thing. That's yeah. very cool. Thank you. I was um, thinking, um, you, uh, no British person would wear that. It's just because there's plenty of it in the UK, whereas so here it's kind of like it's a nice novelty. Yeah, know? see, but some it's beautiful. Thank you. Sometimes I tell people I wear it when when it's raining, when we need rain, or when we're expecting rain, which is pretty much any of the above at all points in time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I think I can wear this and just be like, oh, we need some rain. I'm wearing my rain necklace. Nice. Do you ever yeah. tell people you're 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 a weather witch? Um, I actually kind of am a weather witch. Oh. I've stopped the rain. And I've also made it rain, so like literally been Nux. getting ready to go like out in a convertible, and it's starting to rain. I'm like, stop raining! And I just put put it out there, and I tell my friends, I'm like, it's gonna stop raining in five minutes, and fucking five minutes later, it stops raining. Oh. As someone with a ritual room in his house, mm-hmm. I am so into that. Yeah, yeah, I, I have done kind of freaky things with the weather a lot. Hmm. I'm super into it. Yeah. So, I don't have a ritual room, but I think when I purchase a home, I will have a ritual room. Nice. So, yeah. I had something similar happen to me today. This is no word of a lie. I was in Panera Bread, and I went to the restroom, and I was at the urinal doing my business, and I looked over at the paper towel dispenser, and it just started dispensing paper towels, and then it just didn't stop. And so I, I went over there after I'd finished um, peeing and sort of like used the paper towel that had already come out to dry my hands and then I just kind of like left it. <laughs> it was still spewing out paper so towels. You didn't like wrap it up like a stole or something? <laughs> like, you know? No, no, I just left it. Covered in pink sequins and <laughs> sitting in a big gold chair. I don't know. Well, we'll get there later. We'll get we'll there later. again. <laughs> um, also in the realm of noticing superficial things, when they're talking to the mayor the first time, the twins. Yes. Mm-hmm. They've gotten the mayor a new portrait for her office. I noticed that with her oh. hair. It has her new face. Yeah. A new face. And because her hair's all yeah, she's got more the, out. Yeah, she's so got light socket hair. Satellite station mm-hmm. realm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I think yeah. it might rival Anne Bobby's. Or oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Get the two of them together, you wouldn't be able to find them in the middle. Oh, imagine imagine the static electricity coming off of the two of them, rubbing two of them together. 
Um, there was <laughs> that scene with the mayor. There was that line where the are they called the Weins the Weinstein? Yeah, Mr. Weinstein's. Yeah, the, the Weinstein Weinsteins. twins, <laughs> um, who insist on dressing in exactly the same clothes. Yeah, which isn't creepy at all. No, in two no, grown, no. fully grown men. Um, <laughs> Jesus, um, when so they returned, haven't they? Because they're the ones from at the right at the beginning of the series mm-hmm. who kind of said to them, Mayor. Listen, you're, you, you're as ugly as a bag of spanners. Nobody's going to vote for you. Do something about your face and that. And then, then she does. And then they've come back now and she's kind of going, look at my new face. And they're going to go, it's great. But And then they say, well, you know, but let's not go, go too far. We don't want you polling as sexually available. Yeah. And, uh, like, totally objectifying her, which I guess they've been doing all along. But then it's her reaction that really annoyed me, because she just kind of went like, Oh, guys. Yeah. And you're like, oh, for crying out loud. She, you know, she should be saying sort of like, I'd rather you didn't talk about me that way. But, of course, I was forgetting. This is Cop Rock. And she's Oil of Olay. Yeah. So she's vacillated into her twelve-year-old self. She has, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like fucking Sybil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> the multiple personality right. one, not Shepherd. Well, I don't know. Yeah, uh, do we know for sure that they're not the same person? Oh. But uh, like, it, it drives. It, I really wanted her response to that to be like, okay, well, whose idea was plastic surgery anyway? Yeah, you know. Well, I, I've heard that there are some people who uh, have experienced basically total regression of any diabetes symptoms and or diagnosis after they've had gastric bypass surgery or lap band mm-hmm. surgery. Yes. I wonder if there's some sort of regression of like ability to be powerful after having plastic surgery and you kind of revert into this insecure kind of hmm. yeah. like like if there's some sort of mental change or personality yeah. change from having had plastic surgery. I don't mm. know. Yeah. Well, I guess sort of like, and I guess what we're talking about here is cosmetic surgery, right? As opposed to like plastic surgery, which is you know, the cosmetic surgery that the that the mayor has, rather than uh, cosmetic surgery that the mayor has, rather than sort of plastic surgery that people have when it burns victims or whatever. Sure, but, you know, I, think, I think if you if you have kind of that kind of cosmetic surgery, then then you probably have you know some kind of issues with self esteem and whatnot anyway and that just kind of releases them kind of or it just kind of um i don't know it's release you think it'd make make them more (laughs) more aware of it i don't know it's like it's hard to say like i don't have any objection to people becoming who they want to be no that's fine i don't have any objection to people like tend to go have surgeries to look more the way that they look in their own mind Mm -hmm. that's great whatever um but like, I really do. I'm very bothered that she just, just chuckles and laughs and plays along with, yeah. with what is just another version of sorry, but you are physically not what we're looking for, and that's what matters. Yeah. Like it's it's the fact that they've one time said that she's too ugly, and now they're saying she's too pretty. Yeah. That's pretty manipulative and controlling. Yeah. yeah. And it's again another way the show takes misogyny and just says, hey. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, because <laughs> oh yeah, at that point, I thought that what that there was going to be some realization on the part of the mayor. Mm-hmm. I kind of say, like, you know, 
you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't and right. it's kind of like what the fuck is this bullshit mm-hmm. and I was kind of hoping for some like you know some realisation on her part like, and just thinking Jesus Christ what am I doing you know why am I so caught up on the way I look and stuff is what I do that matters but no no <laughs> it's nothing yeah. like that I was really hoping that it was going to be a moment where she was like Ray get your spur and your saddles and your and your freaking whips and your lasso and ride these two weasels out of town, you know? with your big silver knob. Mm-hmm. And uh, get off your big silver knob and get on these. Because <laughs> Ray is in the background in that scene, isn't yeah, he? But he is. Does he have a line? No, no. no. Oh. He didn't get to say a damn word this episode. Fine. Well, no, he did. He did say something like, "Oh yes, Mayor, blah blah blah," because she, she asked him a question. Didn't oh, I thought, I thought so. Possibly, yeah. Maybe yeah, you might like be a right. very minimal exchange. Yeah. We love Ray, don't we? Oh, Ray's the best. Yeah. So then we cut to the chief telling the captain that they're going to reinstate LaRusso. Yes. At, I guess, the chief's office or the chief's house. And literally all I wrote down about that was about the chief's firewater liquor bottles. Yeah. I wrote, I kind of need those firewater liquor bottles but possibly so I can smash them. <laughs> I can't decide if I need them to have them or need them to destroy them. <laughs> I, I made no notes about that scene. I also said, and again, the captain is at the heart of the only interesting actual cop storyline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was um, perfectly fine, that scene. I mean, it was. That's part of what makes it unusual. What- Part of what makes it uninteresting in this episode is that it's a perfectly serviceable cop mm-hmm. show scene. Yeah. And then, do we go to the Vicky and Rolf pleading uh. to save the, the storm of their marriage? So I know in the previous episode I said, well, let's wait and see if there's some kind of realization. But just as the mayor. Uh, doesn't have her big eureka moment nor does Vicky and she's still trying to save her marriage to that prick um, and so I'll have to admit it that the Vicky and Rolf storyline has been garbage all along yeah it's not just garbage it's 11 week old garbage yeah <laughs> it's garbage that has been sitting out there yeah. for 11 fucking weeks and that bag has just inflated. It's the kind of garbage that if you open that bag, if you accidentally pierced that bag, oh. it would make you chunder, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would be a biohazard. Yeah. I feel like that story is the biohazard of this series. Yeah. Yeah. The mayor, the mayor storyline was bad enough. Pretty bad. Yeah. Not as bad as Vicky and Ralph. No. At least the mayor's not actually being abused and threatened. Yes. And I think with the mayor storyline, uh, especially the one uh, with her and the chief, which, uh, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert, has no resolution. Yeah. That just kind of went flat, didn't it? Like a flan in a cupboard. It was just, it just went, <laughs> that was it. They fell out. Um, but when it was on... Uh, it was it, it had its amusing moments even though they were unintentionally amusing half the time 
it, they, it had it had its moments, whereas mm-hmm. the Vicky and Rolf storyline was just pretty offensive and ugly all the way through. It got progressively worse. Yeah. Like, especially the half point where he turned psycho. Yes. And mm-hmm. then it just kept getting worse and worse. And she's like, no, let's make it work. I'm not lying to you and blah, blah, blah. And he's just a horrid piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And talking of horrid pieces of shit, that song was... It was a horrid oh. piece of shit. Oh, my God. It was utter tripe. So, what I wrote down about... There's a moment right before that where Ralph says, What do you want me to say, Vicky? And what I wrote down was, I don't know, Ralph. What I want you to say is, I'm an asshole, and I can't even let you leave me without bossing you around. But I apparently don't get that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But then about the song, I wrote, can aliens abduct me and save me from this 70s top 40 pop bullshit drivel? (laughs) (laughs) At least if aliens showed up, the Oz effect would occur and I wouldn't be able to hear anything. (laughs) That Oz effect again? It's a goddamn Oz effect. This time I'm begging for it. (laughs) I think you're being unduly harsh on 70s top 40 there, to be perfectly frank. (laughs) Um, I'm out back in the yard with a flashlight aiming at the sky. (laughs) Just SOSing my little heart out. Come save me from (laughs) this song. I really don't have any idea what I just accidentally might have said to mm-hmm. table aliens. But. <laughs> that might, be, you might have caused massive offence. Yeah. That's like the oral equivalent of you just basically presenting ready for an anal probe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, Who says I haven't received one of those already? <laughs> <laughs> what, tonight? <laughs> God only went to the toilet for about three minutes. <laughs> You're a fast worker. Um, although I will say one thing about that whole sequence, and um, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the whole sequence, the scene between Rolf and Vicky and Vicky's song afterwards, is all filmed in one take. Yeah. It felt that way. Which was pretty impressive. Yeah. Because obviously, sort of like, you know, uh, the camera would have had to have been, you know, sort of... uh, They had to have to plan the camera movements, the actors would have to have been blocked and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was all all one take. So Mm -hmm. his... Uh, the scene between the two of them and then her performance of that song I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that she was she wasn't singing live on the in the studio but yeah it was all one take mm-hmm. and that was pretty that was pretty impressive that's part of what disappoints me about their storyline so much is that they're both fine actors yeah and they're both fine singers they're both great performers i can totally see why they were cast for mm-hmm. a primetime musical drama um but i wish that they had been given better material to work with it just pisses me off that somebody who shows an actual range of emotions and motivations and he does comedy and he does drama and he does suspense and in the course of all of the show and mm-hmm. all of those things he covered in the course of the show and yet what they end up giving us is Rolf the fucking psychopath. Yeah. I'm not interested in that and I'm not going to root for it. No. Uh, it, I mean, it does make you wonder, Nick, because this is like episode 11, which is half... Uh, 11 episodes would be like half a season mm-hmm. so 
I mean, I, 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 I'm assuming that they had an entire 22 season, 22 episode season kind of mapped out. Well, actually, at the time, seasons were longer. Seasons are 26 episodes. 26, right. And they, ABC had ordered 13 episodes as a half season. Oh, right, okay. So, I mean, you know, what we're, what we're kind of seeing, I guess, is half a season of something. Yeah, and which makes me think that there would have been more to come from all of these storylines, mm-hmm. and you know maybe it's you know we're doing the show and the uh, creators and everybody involved in it a great disservice by you know saying we didn't like how this storyline ended or just petered out because it, you know it, they were never meant to end this way. Um, Maybe the story would have involved Rolf getting his comeuppance in some way. Yeah. I like hope murdered. so. Or murdered. <laughs> Maybe he would have just fucking dropped of that heart attack finally. Uh-huh. I don't know. Should have just fed him pork chops and... Yeah. Pork chops and pork chops. Or he could have gotten a fight over a bucket of chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, again, with Hand Bobby, like, we get to see her portray a wide range of emotions, mm-hmm. a wide range of motivations. She gets to be the best cop in the room. She mm-hmm. gets to be vulnerable. She gets to be uh, in charge of herself. She gets to uh, hate men. She gets that fantastic song, Why Can't Men Ugh. Be More Like Women? Yeah. You know, uh, and she can sing, she can act, she can dance, she can do it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do we get? We get Vicky begging her abusive husband to come back to her. Yeah. And during the course of that song, towards the end, she went all Jura number two at one point. Oh, I know. I was like, yeah. I was like, what was up with her eyes? That's my note. She did like she performed that song really well, and then it was like about th- about twenty seconds from the end, she just suddenly her eyes just kind of went. I think we should do that on slow mo. We, we watch the raccoons. Yeah. In yeah. slow mo, I think we should watch the uh, the eyes in slow mo. I think that it was her realizing, oh shit, this is my last song and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe she just farted. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe she's like, oh, I'm trying to hold it in through this one take. <laughs> Speaking of which, we, we didn't talk about the intro, did we mention no, we the uh, raccoon shirt? No, we skipped it. Huh. Raccoon shirt. Okay, so this time we paused. Confirmed. Yeah. Confirmed. It's two raccoons and his t-shirt. Yeah. I kind of love the t-shirt. Yeah. Kind of hate raccoons now that they're associated with Rolf. Yeah. <laughs> well, associate them with uh, uh, the the actor who played Rolf, who was you know a okay. good actor. Okay, that's fine. I like him because he's actually wearing. I think they're all wearing their civvies, aren't they? In in that yeah. opening title. <laughs> so y'all are doing the dance with yeah. like the groove, like uh-huh. the Barbara Boston, the Barbara Boston group. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of. This terrible. I fucking hated it, so I'm sad that I'm referring to it. Uh, the sketch on Saturday Night Live, like 15 years ago, there was a shout out to the two wild and crazy guys thing. It's the the Roxy Brothers or whatever oh, they yeah. are. They did a movie about them, and one of them is they're played by horribly annoying people. Um, is it Will Will Ferrell? Yes, he's and... a horribly annoying person. Uh, the blonde dude, David it's, Spade? No. no. It's it's a guy who briefly plays a villain in the live-action Nancy Drew movie from like 10 years ago, which really helped. 
Uh, <laughs> but you're saying this is a woman who's seen like four television shows and ten movies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, like, and they were and they were TV movies. But like their whole <laughs> but their whole dance where they just like stand still and they kind of like move their head back and forth wildly like an angry chicken. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and y'all were doing that, and it was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the Barbara Bossen groove, and yeah. Yeah. that is yeah one of my favorite bits of that opening title sequence. I think Definitely. I'll have to watch it one more time. Oh yeah, like a, like a wrap up at the end. Okay. Yeah. And or the eyeballs that Vicky throws. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> circle that. Rewatch. Um, then they cut to the mayor and her filming a commercial, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd just like to say that um, they mentioned the dutiful daughter, which, dutiful. There you go. God, how egotistical. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I like that Mr. Weinstein's told her that they were going for the guilt stricken vote. There's a lot of those. Yes. He says. The guilt stricken. I don't, I, I don't even know where to begin to take that. Is that a demographic? Is it? Uh, yeah, because she's she's playing opposite that woman who's playing her mother, right? Mm-hmm. Was that something? Yeah, and I think it was something about like going to visit her mother mm-hmm. and kind of like what a great person she is because she visits her mother, and that's going to appeal to guilty, selfish, uh, younger people who never visit their elderly parents not entirely sure piss them off but i I was thinking it would be more of her saying that the city should have enough money to take care of the people so those people who feel guilty about not taking care of their parents can know that the city can afford to take care of their parents that makes more sense it's like, oh, let's vote for this woman who's going to get enough money to take care of my elderly parents. I don't have to because yeah. I feel guilty about not doing it myself. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I see. Well, it's a long road to hoe. You know? uh, yeah, I know. But it's better than a long hoe to row. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but but th- that whole sequence was so utterly superfluous it was just but it seemed kind of pointless and you're thinking yeah this is like the finale although i guess they did did they did they not know it was the finale at that point i mean did, were, were mid-season finales not a thing no right so they just kind of thought like well we're going to film 11 and then in the very last one we kind of We'll pretty much drop everything that we've been doing for the last ten. We'll set up maybe some like a new storyline around the mayor running for senate, mm-hmm. and um, and then we'll have some funny business with old people in a in well, an old people's ho- home. I mean, they were trying to like sort of set up for uh, the spring storyline that they've yeah. been doing. Where they would have been like having the storyline about her trying to fundraise and trying to become a senatorial candidate and whatever. Yeah. And I suspect that the storyline there would have been the strains that that places on her relationship with the chief because she's busy all the time trying to become a senator and he's a whatever country cowpoke <laughs> in LA who's the chief of police. I don't know. He's like a 
a bunch of it's like somebody cut apart a bunch of character concepts and then pasted them back together while blindfolded <laughs> but um to get like really deep in the weird if you're familiar with the uh, brian geisen and william s burroughs cut-ups method burroughs wrote a couple of novels doing this you mm-hmm. you, write, you produce a text or you find a text mm-hmm. and you literally cut it up and then you basically put everything in a basket and dump it back out and sort of pull cut out words at random oh, okay. and see if it reveals new meaning um and or you take like an intended message and you cut it up and rearrange it randomly uh. to sort of encode what your intended message is it's a weird thing anyway uh it feels like somebody's done that with character concepts and they got the chief out of it yeah 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 or he was his his part was Potentially Google translated from yes, 14 different languages. Yes. Along with the jokes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That um, method that you just uh, discussed, well, me and a friend of mine, we did that. We used to write poetry in a similar way, not quite the same thing, but when we were in the sixth form workroom, supposedly working on our A levels, which is you know, what you do in the UK between the ages of 16 and 18. So um, high school. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the last two years of high school, I guess. Okay. Before you go to university. Um, we'd be in this workroom. Uh, and I would... Keep putting that in quotes in a way that suggests that <laughs> it, either it was in a room or you didn't work there. Or you worked real hard. <laughs> yeah, maybe no. it was a twerk room. <laughs> twerk room. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, no. You would really wouldn't want to see 17-year-old me twerking. <laughs> I feel like some kind of safety hazard or even a biohazard, actually. <laughs> and what we would do is that we, uh, I would sit there and... I remember uh, the book I was reading at the time was Famous for 15 Minutes by Ultraviolet, uh, one of Andy Warhol's um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who hung out with him at the factory. Okay. And um, I was so much cooler as a fat 17-year-old than I am now as a <laughs> moderately slim 42-year-old. But um, I, was, uh, I was reading this novel, uh, this novel, this memoir, and then... Every now and then, my friend would just go, now. And whichever sentence I was reading, she would write down. And then she would just she would carry on with what she was doing. And then I would carry on reading. And then she would kind of go, now. And then she would write down that. And then from this, you know, from this book, we ended up writing these different poems. And because Ultraviolet had such a crazy life, like she was Salvador Dali's lover... And then um, Dali introduced her to Andy Warhol, and uh, Warhol told her like, "Oh, Dali's over. You want you should come be like with you know a part of my posse." And that's what she did, and all that. And she met all these amazing people, and of course, like had that crazy life with Andy Warhol. This, these poems were just insane, but they were I awesome. Some. Yeah, I'm sure I still have them somewhere. Um, so I'll have to um, I'll have to dig them out. Mm, maybe that's episode 12. Episode 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the famous, uh, yeah, the mythical lost episode. If we hadn't gotten cancelled, maybe that's what we... And if we hadn't gotten cancelled. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, also in that scene with the, the, the completely superfluous filming of the commercial, we have the waiter from the Great Northern Hotel. We have the material plane version of uh, the giant yes. from the Red Room. Um, so, 
If you're into Twin Peaks, then you'll remember the scene in which the of the very old waiter comes with the warm <laughs> milk for uh, for Agent Cooper and says that gummy. Well, he's not. He said later in the series, he's yeah. the person who says that gummy like will come back in style, which is a line that gets quoted a lot from Twin Peaks, and uh, that's that actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess because it, it would have been around that time. Yeah. How fucking weird is it to think? <laughs> well, it was literally that time because this is the fall of 1990. It's ABC, even so it's the same network. Mm-hmm. This point in the season is when um, we're like three episodes past the revelation of who killed Laura Palmer. Wow. That's so insane. I mean, wasn't it in the previous podcast you kind of refer to the scene where the mayor is uh, led up to the noose by Ozzy and um, a, a bunch of uh, 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 black people as mm-hmm. like a nightmare to, uh, uh, or like a, uh, David Lynch directs Ozzy the, the Wizard of Oz uh, puts the it. chief on trial for the, the Wizard of Ozzy the Wizard of Ozzy. Exactly. And it's like, but no, he couldn't do that because he was too busy directing Twin Peaks at the yeah. time. But I feel like this is ABC. Have, uh, it's There's a bleed over effect to some degree mm-hmm. because you have to keep in mind that like, Twin Peaks had been hugely popular. Yeah. It had just like been this ridiculous runaway hit as a mid-season replacement like 11 months before this. Yeah. And I mean, you know that because we're super Twin Peaks. <laughs> but uh, like... The fact that this really surreal show had made such an impact culturally mm-hmm. meant that lots of other shows were willing to try going surreal. Yeah, and, and a show that's floundering on the same network is gonna say, "Well, fuck it, why not try something like David Lynch might do? <laughs> let's have something really weird happen. Yeah, hell, let's get somebody from Twin Peaks in for a cameo. Yeah, and there you go, you get the giant, you get the hotel waiter. Yeah." Also, with Material Plane, I was making a D&D reference. Cha-ching. Oh. I got real nerdy with that one. <laughs> Flying over both our heads there, I think. Yeah, and I'm over here just wondering if the little old man got his breakfast. That's all I'm concerned about. <laughs> like, did he get his breakfast? <laughs> his orange juice and his vitamins and his English muffin? <laughs> with the nooks and crannies filled with butter? Like, I don't know. Oh, I, uh, I know. This yeah, is, I feel this, bad for him. Well, this is 27 years ago. Pretty much like... Oh, he's dead. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think 90% of the people in that scene are now, you know, they've snuffed it, haven't they? I think that's pretty optimistic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Bosson is still with us, I can report, I okay. Yeah. I don't know if Mr. Weinstein's are. Both of them. <laughs> Both of them. I don't know. But, like, a good rule in television is if you need something weird... And surreal, get a little person. And if you can't, and there's there's a whole scene in the, this amazing film that's about uh, uh, Steve Buscemi trying to direct a, a an independent art film and um, mm-hmm. living in oblivion. Maybe. Right. Okay. Yeah, living yeah. in oblivion. There's a whole scene in living in oblivion where he's trying to do a dream sequence, mm-hmm. and he hires a little person who happens to be Tyrion Lannister, and uh, oh, okay. it's the first time I'd ever seen him as an actor. Uh-huh. Um, but and and he comes out to do his part in this dream sequence and gets really 
offended that he's just there to make it weird and has this whole has this whole like oh yeah ever since Twin Peaks the easy way to make it weird is get a little person thank you a lot it's a really great scene he's amazing um, but so TV shorthand for weird is get a little person and if you can't get a little person get twins and so I'm pretty sure at least one of those twins has murdered somebody by now probably it's a it's a television rule yeah well even if not in real life then on TV oh sure certainly yeah and Tyrion came to town a couple of months ago, like sometime last fall. Did you hear? Yeah. 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 He's a great actor. I mean, he's a phenomenally gifted actor. Yeah. I've only seen him in Game of Thrones and that X-Men movie. I mean, he's... he's. I mean, well, let me look at the character. Look at him in Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, he's Look awesome. at all the things he gets he's to portray in Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's so good. Fucking amazing. Um, anyway, sorry. I like him. Enough about other actors. No. Um... I have Sid bribing LaRusso, basically implying that he promised that LaRusso would be famous. And I was thinking if he was verbally implying that he was going to make these movies and mm -hmm. teledramas and or whatever in order to pay back Sid for his lawyer services. I was like, as a lawyer, wouldn't he have him sign him sign something? Yeah. saying that he was going to I'm like why would he just be like oh well you said you were going to I'm like that's fucked up and <laughs> ridiculous for a lawyer to be like you said you were going to do that yeah. I just well, thought it was go ahead. yeah I just thought it was weak well like we were all there for the scene like Sid does say to him in lieu of payment you're going to give me 50% of the take on any movies or you know novelizations or anything like that mm -hmm. Any adapt adapted works based on this case, and the Russo says, "Okay, fine, no problem." And like we're all that we were all there for it. Mm -hmm. like, that is, Someone in fact, still remember deal. it, which is why he should have had it in writing. As a lawyer, fair. Fair. he should have had it in writing. Fair. Because <laughs> if I was Larusso, I'd be like, oh, I have I have no recollection. <laughs> like I have <laughs> a really good memory for certain things, but yeah, not I. I can remember people's names and faces usually that I meet in person, but not. You know, the fact that LaRusso was supposed to sign over all of his stuff in order to pay Sid, Sid Beaker. Well, <laughs> Sid Beaker. What I wrote down was seeing LaRusso hoisted on his own extremely expensive legal petard is extremely satisfying. I am so glad to see LaRusso getting pissed on by somebody for once. Mm -hmm. Not literally, because I'm pretty sure that Trish did that. <laughs> but also, I'm really glad that there was no more I want to get you pregnant in this episode. Although, I'm pretty sure that would have come back to haunt him. Yes. Yeah, and she would have given birth to a deck chair with tiny arms. <laughs> Chase. <laughs> <laughs> why wasn't there more episodes? I mean, why why were we denied? That's what our fanfic reboot is all about. Mm -hmm. That's true. I wrote down, what the shit is this business of officer misogyny still being around? Yes. Oh. I called them Baby LaRusso. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Um, He's the guy who didn't want to be Vicky's partner because, you know. Yes. Yes. Something with an S. It wasn't Miller, was it? Because Miller was the no, racist cop. Um, the fuck is his name? Stillman. Stillman. Okay. Stillman. Yeah, that sounds Yeah, right. Baby LaRusso. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little on the nose there. Yeah. He was, he, uh, yeah, he wasn't, he's not very appealing. Um, I wrote down, what a dick. What a dick. Yeah. I could r- write like a children's novel that is like full of curse words based on like, what the fuck? What a dick. <laughs> you know, show like, you know, Vicky, you know, like trying to defend her abusive husband. You know? It's like, yeah. God damn. No. Uh-huh. Oh my God. So there was that scene, wasn't there, where uh, 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 she and he find evidence proving the identity of the campus rapist. Yeah. Uh, The campus rapist. But it's an illegal search and seizure. Therefore, they just can't... It's not going to work. I I wrote down... uh, Also, we have the scene where Potts finds out that that they're going to bring LaRusso back. And he's like... Oh, yes. And he's like, listen, you, where was all that brave man talk now? Yeah. You know? That was a good scene. Yeah, it is. And I wrote down, Potts is 100% correct. They have shit all over him in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they have really not done him any fucking favors yeah. ever. Yeah. And I think Coprock was actually quite good at doing that, you know? Yeah. You didn't You didn't always get... Oh, you, you hardly ever got the, the outcome that you actually wanted. And so, you know, it was kind of complex in that respect yes and I would like to be able to extend that to like you know the the Vicky Rolf storyline but it, it, it doesn't really work does it because as a viewer we're not we're not placed correctly by the TV show to, mm-hmm. to in order to, to to read it that way, you know, the TV show wants us to think of this of their marriage as something that might be worth saving and all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas it very successfully does show us that um, parts has been shat all over by mm-hmm. the system. So yeah, it's not it's not quite the same, but yeah. But I do like I did like that scene. I thought it was good. I thought um, I thought that story that storyline was strong. Yeah. And then about the bad bust scene, I wrote, "How many times is a cop in this captain's unit going to fuck up a bust?" Yeah. Yeah. But he was doing it because he was like, "Well, he got away with it, and he had just apparently been exonerated from this murder." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, if he did it and got away with it, why can't I?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, "You're a shitty motherfucking cop." Who's yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like that mirroring, though. The, f- the fact that you know the first episode has that in it, mm-hmm. a, a cup that crosses the line, and then this little final episode has the same thing as well. And it's um, like you say, it's like a, a like, almost like a direct result of that first one, and mm-hmm. how this kind of malpractice can spread. And that's why it's important that you know cops have these very um, uh, well-defined. Um, parameters and mm-hmm. and, and, and borderlines. Um, so again, I thought that was it's pretty well, pretty well done. Even though um, that, it, it, I think it would might have been better if the cop that had actually crossed the line had been perhaps had been sympathetic before, but he was just a 
a dick from the start so yeah. it didn't quite it didn't quite have the um, impact that it might have done mm-hmm. if it was uh, if it was just like a regular cop that kind of just kind of said like well listen you know we can do this now and that would have that would have carried more weight if it had been somebody like like if if Gaines if Gaines is arc mm-hmm. had gone from being idealistic the way that he had been at the beginning and then he obviously with his experience of not being able to cure homelessness in one episode uh, which had then sort of like made him despair but you know if, if, if his arc had, had kind of been had gone that way and he'd ended up being the one crossing the line then that might have had a bit more emotional heft mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this this guy Stillman, whatever he's called, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just just he's kind of like a a, a renter baddie, yeah. So he's just kind of think, well, yeah, well, he's a dick, so he would, wouldn't he? Even though Leonard Betts and both Leonard and Vicky were both kind of like, don't fuck this up. We've yeah. already seen what happens when this mm-hmm. gets fucked up like this. Yeah, and he was just kind of like, no, I'm gonna do it anyway because this is what's right and. Then yeah. everything gets thrown out, and then you know the poor captain is stuck with who was who was that other guy that he got stuck with that was basically saying that everything had to be thrown out because it was botched. Oh, he was one of the assistant DAs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Saying that he couldn't prosecute. Yeah, I I actually I like I, I part of why that disappoints me that they laid it on Stillman. Mm-hmm. They relied on the Stillman character for that is for exactly that reason because so much of the rest of the time the show has actually turned out to be shockingly good at creating the complex circumstance and raising the difficult question Mm -hmm. setting up the easy and obvious scenario and then using it to raise a more difficult question Mm -hmm. Um, and I just feel like they totally flubbed it with this by sticking to the easy scenario we know Stillman's an asshole there's never going to be a question of whether or not what he did was right Mm -hmm. because we know he's a dick like we're never going to be sympathetic to that character. Yeah, and I don't know. That's I found it very disappointing. I also wrote down: Has literally no one in this show watched the rest of this show? <laughs> <laughs> Not until the end. Not until the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then is that when we have the um, mayor's song? Clean it up. Yeah. I'll clean it up. Yeah. So this isn't her first song because she had the. Why Can't I Be Pretty song, or whatever it was. Yeah, well, she had the song with that bear who was there to be her, like, media advisor or whatever. I know, he was, he was a contractor. Oh, that's to true. To build the new jail. Like, yeah. Way back, that was, way like, back. a jazzy tune. That was a that really was, like, great song. episode two or three. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and um, I'll Clean It Up, uh, where she, it's kind of like her campaign video, right? Yeah. Where she's kind of saying how she's going to solve all the, um, uh, the, the city's issues well I guess more than just a city if she's mm-hmm. going to be a yeah <laughs> that's got those three old ladies <laughs> I love those I love those three old we're ladies we're running out of time <laughs> <laughs> I love that literally what they're saying is please reduce crime because I'm about to die and I'd like to go for a walk yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we're like well just me. go for a walk anyway yeah. <laughs> kill two birds with one stone exactly <laughs> Well, Dignitas is such a long way away, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and w- w- was the next scene the Welcome Back LaRusso song? Yeah, but about the mayor's song I wrote oh. down, 
the mayor's song is awful, except that it's the mayor's song. Oh, yeah. And then I wrote down, like, immediately afterwards, okay, the more surreal it gets, the more I like it. Yeah. And that's when the three little ladies had shown up. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, once the show gets surreal, I stop caring how bad it is. Yeah. I think that says something about my taste and things. But, I mean, it's true, though, isn't it? It's sort of like a lot of the best bits of Cop Rock were the most surreal. Undoubtedly. So, perfection. Mm-hmm. When the mayor's mm-hmm. going under. And also, actually, a lot of the best bits of Cop Rock involve... Barbara Boston as the mayor because mm-hmm. she's pretty awesome. She's fantastic. Yeah, performer. but the the, the uh, going back to the surrealness, you know, this perfection that we talk about. We talked about the um, uh, choose me was it song mm-hmm. from last week, and um, when the uh, uh, the background all changes and and the mm-hmm. police station becomes more seedy and stuff. The also from the previous episode. Um, Lyle, the John song, oh, which is yeah. pretty surreal. Yeah. You know, oh, I love that song. All that stuff was just great. And in fact, didn't they... Uh, one of the influences, supposed influences on Cop Rock, was a singing detective by Dennis, by Dennis Potter. Yes, absolutely. And the thing with the singing detective is when you do have the song and dance numbers, they are completely surreal. They're so mm-hmm. strange. And um, in fact, quite distressing and and, and disturbing. Um, so I can kind of see, you know, there's something in that. Yeah. Well, the more surreal something is, also the more honest it is. Yes. The more honest it gets to be. Yeah. Because what we experience as the surreal is often simply the stripping away of convention. And convention, in polite society, generally stands in the way of honesty. Yeah. You know, and so by stripping away convention and by stripping away expectations, by defying expectations, getting people out of their comfort zone, you create this space in which everything that's represented, it can be non-literal mm-hmm. and it can also be completely true yeah. at the same time. And so this is part of why dream sequences work so well in fiction, mm-hmm. because they let us say what something is about without actually saying what it's about in a boring way. You know, um, yeah. this is why I think that the the, the, the lynching song from last song from last episode I was just thinking that yeah. that gets right at the heart of an issue and creates a space in which Ozzy can say the most honest words he said to the chief the whole series. Yeah. And and it's because it strips away all that convention. It, it it does not afford us the opportunity to cling to convention and insist on applying the filters of polite society to the content. And I just I feel like that's very powerful. Yeah. In fact, um, the most conventional song of this episode was Vicky's song, right? Which I think oh. we all hated. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, I was just wishing that I would go spontaneously deaf. Yes. Or combust. <laughs> or combust. Yeah. That would also have worked. Um, yeah. And then... My big comfy television chair is also 50 years old. It probably is not fire retardant. <laughs> <laughs> if I combusted, I could have just gone up in a flash and not had to hurt another neck. That would have been it. Gone. Piffed. Piffed. Um, we would have definitely thrown our wine on you to put you out. No, 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 no. If it's in the middle of a horrible, fake, 70s pop ballad that's terrible, 
Don't 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 waste your mind. Just let me burn. <laughs> Just let me go. Just let me go. Um, and then so the um, there must be a scene between those, but I've got I've got the uh, I'll clean it up. And then I've got the Welcome Back Larusso. That's actually my next note also. They oh, okay. pretty much skipped from one song into the next. Right. And because they, they had the scene where like the, the party guy was like, Does she pop? And uh, they're like, Does she pop? And it was a really pointless and surreal scene. Nobody said anything. Yeah. It was just a scene to say, Well, this terrible song definitely means you're going to win your primary. Yes. And I don't know. I, I wasn't feeling it. No, I wasn't feeling it. Our either. whole Senate campaign thing, other than the fact that it gave us perfection as a song mm-hmm. is not a great storyline no perfection and ray and ray it gave us ray also yeah, yeah. which is important mm-hmm. yeah. but i thought the welcome back larusso song was a wasted opportunity because it was sung by a bunch of his co-workers that we've only ever seen like uh was it in the canteen when mm-hmm. um uh pots was getting yeah. bad mouthed yeah so they've only ever been in like they, they were a bunch of kind of faceless like police goons before and now they've reappeared to be a bunch of faceless police goons again mm-hmm. and um, so the fact that they're you know responding to LaRusso's return you just kind of think well who gives a fuck and you know, if it had been a song crafted around how uh, the series regulars had responded to his return, that would have been really interesting. That would have been so much better. Yeah. Because, I mean, LaRusso was part of the main cast, yeah. right? He's right. in all the promo photos for the pilot. Yeah. And sort of, so up until the point at which he's arrested... He is part and interacts with all the other regular cast members. Mm-hmm. Now, from that point on, he's kind of taken out of that, and he's you know he's got his um, a, a court case to fight, and then he comes back to the precinct, but doesn't really get to interact with all his old co-workers. Yeah. And that would have been that's that that scene would be rife uh, ripe with the uh, you know dramatic tension and mm-hmm. how are they going to respond and we don't get that we just get a load of you know these the cafeteria goons kind of slapping him on the back and saying like hey man welcome back if they had done a power ballad in which there was a mix of those who were sincere like Gaines's partner yes and those who are sarcastic. Yeah. Um, that would have been really powerful and effective. Yeah. Well, it, it would have beefed up their own characters as well, right? Yes. It would have helped it sort of to delineate the, all those characters and, 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 you know, and, and, and who, you know, who feels what towards LaRusso and where they stand on it all and stuff. And it would have helped to, let's say, differentiate them all. But we just didn't get it. Yep. My line for this was, here's the pots being beaten slowly by this shit song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. It was, um, again, a bit, a bit meh. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it was, I am not here for this big welcome back power ballad for LaRusso, who, I note, murdered a guy, which we watched. Yes. Yep. 
again, we're probably judging the show unfairly because what we're witnessing is half a story. Um, but, um, you know, but, well, that's all we, we've got to go on. Um, and then uh, the next note I have is about the uh, how the police managed to prove that Mr. Mm-hmm. Brockman was the campus rapist. Now, he's yeah. the guy who kind of... They couldn't get earlier in the episode because of the uh, screwed-up search um, and whatever, yeah. seizure. And But the way that the police get, uh, uh, get him for the rapes is by engineering an accidental meeting at the station between him and his victim who quite understandably sees him and, and and goes for him. Yeah. And I kind of thought this was kind of uh, ethically questionable. Extremely. Uh, emotionally irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also it kind of completely negated the agency of the female police officers at the beginning of the episode who said that they were going to get him. Yeah. And it was like, well, no, you didn't. You know, <laughs> because it was it was the um, uh, it was the captain, right? Who kind of mm-hmm. was it the captain who engineered it all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, it was. Like, it, let's go get him on some bunk ass. That's it. Yeah. Police uh, trafficking thing. Yeah. So it, it was uh, it was the guy who um, who got him in the end, and and all it took was uh, um, you know sort of uh, using. The uh, the rape survivor and uh, making her feel emotionally emotionally vulnerable again and re-traumatize yeah. and re-traumatize her yeah, yeah. and I just kind of felt like really <laughs> yeah um, like what I wrote down was that I really I really am not sure what I'm supposed to feel about mm-hmm. that scene I have no way of knowing what whether what the show is trying to get me to feel is wow that was clever or whether what the show is trying to get me to feel is wow that was awful mm-hmm. or wow nobody here has learned a lesson yeah. <laughs> like I don't it's so fucking muddled for me because um, this is another example of no one in the show has watched the rest of the show yeah you know? it's it's just such an obviously bogus situation if he has any decent defense attorney, if there's a defense attorney in LA that can get LaRusso off on murder, then there are like 700 defense attorneys waiting in Los Angeles to get this guy off on rape. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the most bogus setup possible. The cops have to know that. Yeah. And, um, and they really are using the, the rape survivor in a way that is just atrocious. Yeah. They are just shoving her right back in front of the train and doing it in front of 50 people yeah, for their own purposes. And, like, it's a cop show. There's going to be a lot of things that happen that I'm not going to like, and the characters are mostly going to justify those things to themselves by saying that they've done uh, small evils to prevent larger ones. Mm -hmm. I still can't feel good about what they're doing. No. Um, I do think that the performance of the actor who plays the rape survivor who IDs him was really good. She yes. conveys being re-traumatized yeah. very well. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I'm comfortable with the story, though. No. Yeah. That's, I think that's partly why I, I, I found it so uncomfortable, because she, 
she gave such a, a convincing performance. Yeah. And um, yeah, and 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 therefore it was um, like you say, it was just it was uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. And then the whole program goes. No, no, we've got one more scene. Oh. Because there's the scene where LaRusso and Potts are in the locker room. Yes, you're right. And LaRusso says, why don't we get back together and be partners again? And I wrote down, LaRusso is that bad ex-boyfriend we've all had who swears everything will be different this time. And when he gets punched by Potts, (laughs) I wrote down, that punch was, and then in very large letters, very necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel very good about that punch. Yeah. Um, again, it's a shame that you know we've got half a season because it would have been interesting to see how the rest of that was was going to play out. Mm-hmm. But we'll never know. C'est la vie. And then it all goes very, very meta, which I loved. Well, it's the whole surreal thing again, isn't it? It is. It took me about a minute to go, oh, they're actually talking about the show. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is that um, Ozzy and the chief are in the chief's office. And is it, I think it's Ozzy who who walks in and says, I can't believe they cancelled us. Yeah. Well, they walk in together, they sit down, they look dejected, and Ozzy says, I can't believe they cancelled us. And before he says that, I was writing, what the hell is up with Casual Friday in the Chief's office? Yeah. Because they they had, like, totally been just suits and ties and police uniforms until then. Yes. And that was like, something is off here. Mm -hmm. And the Chief is totally relaxed. Yeah, Yeah. and the Chief is totally relaxed. He doesn't look anguished about anything. Yeah. He's not said anything racist in five seconds. Chilling. Yeah. Um, but then I wrote down, I scratched that out, and I wrote down, the medicine of Casual Friday in the Chief's office is fucking amazing, and we get Desk Buzzer. Yes. What's yeah. that called? <laughs> what's, what's in the cupboard this week? Well, I'll tell you what's in the cupboard this week. It's only the complete fucking cast of Cop Rock, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's better than Pips. It is better than Pips. I and know. I love the Pips. Everybody loves uh, the Pips. The Pips are pretty fantastic. Although I did call them out for not being soul enough, but mm. uh, but I love that little <laughs> conversation where like where uh, the chief is like, "This was a great job," and I'm sure it was. Yes. Yeah, he had a shitty part, and and they played they wrote really shitty story arcs for a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the performers are very talented. Oh I'm yeah, sure, it was hella fun. Yeah, yeah. To be like, I get to make a musical every week. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've I, done musical theater and loved it. <laughs> and like, I this would be a dream job. Yeah. as an actor. I liked how they were joking about how many songs they got. To yeah, too. They were like, well. We only got to be part of two songs. You got to do that one. No, no, no. Yeah. And this is the way that they're so matter of fact. And um, I don't know. I I really enjoyed that part. Mm -hmm. And then the song itself is eh. But um, I did know the Heaven's Gate cult mass suicide reference as a a laugh line (laughs) is just a little too fucking Ralph. 
you know yeah. like Ralph gets to make the joke about Heaven's Gate except that's pretty new yeah. at the time I don't know Heaven's Gate actually I think hadn't happened yet but um, and so I'm reading that anachronistically right uh, because Heaven's Gate was like really tied to the internet and the internet wasn't a thing yet then um, so I thought that Heaven's Gate reference was a, a reference to the movie because they say that every episode costs as much as Heaven's Gate. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Talking about the movie. Yeah. In, in, like, my weird 27 years later brain, <laughs> I heard Heaven's Gate and immediately thought of the mass suicide cult. Oh, okay. Uh, and was like, that's not okay. You know, <laughs> in, in my notes. I'm like, God damn it, Ralph. Suicide is not a joke. Um, what is this? 13 reasons why? And, uh, and, and, but it, like immediately I realized, oh, he's talking about the movie Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Which was this massively expensive flop. Yes. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed the song. I think partly because of the performances, some of those people, can really sing, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. I think Leonard Betts, mm. like, do that. I, know, I, think, I think he was the best one of that yeah. performance, yeah. All it's, that cancer. All that cancer, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to if you want to be a, a really good singer, just, like, eat a ton of cancer. And just eat a little cancer here and a little cancer there. It's really good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, and then uh, the song is called It Ain't Over Till the Fat Lady Sings, I believe. <laughs> and then the mm-hmm. Fat Lady Sung. Yeah. Uh, what was she called again? Queen Yana. So she's credited in the, in the episode credits. Uh-huh. Um, I looked her up. She is still working. She's still singing and performing. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. She has like 400 likes on Facebook. <laughs> and she, but she like released new music five years ago. Wow. Queen Yana. If you're listening, <laughs> can you come sit in a swing and in your pink sequiny dress? Yeah, and yeah. sing to us on your gold swing. See, I, that's. I mean, if you got all those paper towels, I feel like you're kind of beholden to dye pink. Slap some sequins on there, wrap yourself, wear a fat suit, wrap yourself, and get in your gold chair. Yeah, I don't know. When we were talking about that earlier, I was just like. Yes, wrap yourself in those paper towels and turn it into that Fat Lady Sings outfit. Did I miss that? It was amazing. That? No, when, you were, when we were talking about the bathroom, paper towels, witches. Oh. Yeah, yeah like an hour ago. What we've oh, got right. in prison. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, the lace. Yeah. On the that was the last episode. That was the last episode. Wasn't it? The, the Daisy Dukes were the last episode. You were, talking about the, you were saying the weather witches. And, oh, yeah, the oh. weather witches, yeah. And then you said that you'd been to the Panera Bread. and oh, yeah. <laughs> no, those, those paper, paper towels. towels. Yeah. Oh, of course. Kept going and yeah, wrapping right. like a boa. Yeah. For some reason, I wasn't imagining... I was imagining I, I, not... The automatic dispensing paper towels are different in my mind than, like, you know, him rolling around in paper towels here and okay. at home. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I was totally here for that conversation. And well, it's because of the paper towel dispensal. dispensal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it has kind of been a long production. It has. <laughs> um, but yeah, and um, so I think uh, in terms of songs from this episode, Ooh, slim pickings, I think. <sighs> and um, I, I just would go. No, I'm going to go with that first one. Yeah, see, I knew you were going to say that, and I was going to say I'd go f- for the very last one because it would be a nice one to have as the okay. last song on the album, yeah. apart from the boner song. 
Yes. But but we were just thinking like yeah, in order to the fat lady sings. I mean, we could obviously have that first one as well. Yeah, why not? What was it called? I I I wrote down enemy lines and then, hey, Mister. So I don't know if it's. I don't know the actual name of the song, but I it's wrote down as the potential enemy lines. In the closing credits for this episode, I noticed that they actually had the titles of songs. Yeah. Which uh, I feel like was new. I feel like they weren't doing that in other episodes, they, but I, I could be wrong. They did have them on... I think um, we were just hitting stop and yeah, episodes. Yeah, I think they have had them on there. I think we're, we're usually like, holy shit, let's end this as quick as possible. Mm. Yeah. I think that's usually what happens. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I wrote down about that song. I am again here for David Lynch's latest work called Cop Rock Loses Its Fourth Wall and Finds Its Truest Self. I know. I know. I really enjoyed that. And actually, all the actors looked like they were having a really, really great time. Yeah. And we could see them out of costume, just being themselves. Ralph isn't a psycho. Yeah. I tried really hard to project onto him that he was making a joke about suicide because I hate his character so much. <laughs> And I was wrong. I was just factually wrong. And I can own that and admit it. Um, and there's a there's a lyric in that final song that's, that goes, Somewhere, someday, we'll ride again. And I was kind of thinking, Netflix, if you're listening, mm. I mean, some of the shit you've been rebooting lately, you could do a lot worse than reboot Cop Rock. If you rebooted Full House... Oh, please. You can reboot Cop Rock. Yeah. No shit. Because, okay, let me just take a moment to say that the house in Fuller House, or Full House, either one, in San Francisco, would easily go for like $4 million. Because you do not get a townhouse in San Francisco that is that goddamn big. Mm Mm-hmm. Without basically being a Colombian drug lord. (laughs) Bob Saget being able to afford that house is the least (laughs) believable thing on Netflix right now. And Netflix streams anime. Yeah. Okay. That Mm -hmm. is just fucking wrong and annoying. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to reboot Full House, which is some shit, (laughs) then you can reboot Cop Rock for uh, the rest of the first fucking season at least. Uh Uh-huh. And we've already got some pretty great pitch ideas. I think if you look back over our library, mm-hmm. uh, then you'll, you'll, you'll find there's, there's, uh, there's, there's rich pickings there. I want to see Ray as mayor. Yes. Uh, Shatner Seagal. Shatner Seagal. As uh, the new uh, captain, we decided. Yeah. Uh, alcoholic. Possibly killed one of his wives. <laughs> um, obviously, want Barbara Bossom back. Oh, absolutely! Barbara Bossom has to come back. Yeah, with actually at the end in the opening titles, she has to have an and Barbara Bossom as Senator Louise Wasserface. <laughs> and I think Larissa should be a janitor at the jail. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. she'd be like out and free and not employable and demoted down to janitor 
at the local jail yeah. or prison or whatever. They should have to give him a special mop that he can use with his tiny arms. It's <laughs> <laughs> like extra long. Like, well, it have that little wrench part, you yeah, know, like at, the right top. Up at the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, he could be right alongside with what's his face, uh, Stillman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can have Crystal Ashtray. Mm hmm. And yeah. her mother. And her mother, yeah. What was it, Crystal Jean Richie Ashtray? Oh. Uh, Crystal mm. Louise. Crystal oh. Jean. Mm. I've got it somewhere. Yeah. Cristobal. 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 Because she's like pushing 30. Yeah. Yeah. She'd be a, the, She could kind of be my BFF now. Yeah. 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 She'd be what, 27? Yeah. 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 She's, uh, she's the, absolutely the right age. Um, I can't find it. But I was, you know, I could easily, at this point, turn to Snout and point a bony finger at him <laughs> and say, well, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Crystal fucking Ashtray's mother was only in, like, five episodes if that, and when I, and okay, I asked that, you about this, you said that. that she was going to be in every single episode. It did, yeah. It did. So I mean, you know, I'm not being funny, but if we're talking about crossing lines, I think you know, there's no wonder you're banged up in here. <laughs> I because you're a serial liar. He's guilty. He's guilty. <laughs> I, for the record, mm-hmm. I have three responses. One. I slept through a lot of the second and third discs <laughs> the first time I watched the show. Understandable. Two, uh, IMDb says that she's in 11 episodes. Mm-hmm. They lie. They're guilty. They're guilty. They're guilty. Three, I had to make sure y'all would finish the series. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the carrot at the end. Yeah. You knew we loved her. Like, gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just didn't tell us. It wasn't a carrot all along. No. It was just an old turd that looked like one. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I think that my... I think that what I remembered was the, the was Andy's new partner showing up and having a couple of really great songs. Right. In which she's like this sexy cop. Yeah. And she's singing as though she's a prostitute in one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think I in my brain that turned into, oh, that must be Crystal Ashtray's mother. Yeah. And the one who totally sounded like her and had kind of the same right. yeah. voice that I could not imitate in the last episode. Because yeah. was that the one that dressed up as the prostitute in the last episode? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. The, she's yeah. the yeah. one. With the short hair yeah. or whatever, yeah. But I have to say, in response to that, by the end, I didn't mind. I knew... That we would get through it and it would be okay. I drank. Here we are. I drank the Cop Rock Kool Aid, <laughs> and now I love it. The Stockholm Syndrome really does set in somewhere around episode seven, I think. It does. What do you call it? it? Cocktail. Cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had a few cocktails, didn't we? Yeah. Like I really feel like with that last song, they are begging us to reboot it. I think so, and. Looking back over the whole season, um, I can't help feel that perhaps we judged it unfairly simply because, you know, I mean, which there's, there aren't that many TV shows that hit the ground running that, you know, most TV shows take 
like a season to really find their feet. And Cut Rock had half a season and it was trying to do something so unique. I mean, yes, you know, there have been musical, there have been TV shows uh, that have been musicals uh, before, but to try and marry like a, a hard, you know, a, um, a very, what's it, not hardcore, but a very um, gritty crime drama dealing with some very prickly political topics with the musical genre, that's, that's a big ask. And, yes. And I think, I think they did pretty fucking well, actually. And oh, I also so wonder, like, how many of those kinds of shows were out before the ability to record or rewatch, and yeah. they mm-hmm. had to catch the people live on those days as it was distributed mm-hmm. to the public to catch the ratings. Yeah. You know, maybe it was on Monday night and everybody was in band class on Monday night or everybody had something going on that it wasn't something that you could record and catch that data Mm -hmm. that made it to where now we know if you watch Glee, you can record Glee, but they can capture that data to know that another musical 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the line. Yeah. Or I guess however long they've been recording that data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You you mentioned Glee. I was thinking of Smash as well. I've never seen Smash mm. from a few years ago, which was a Steven Spielberg produced TV show about the creation of a Broadway musical about oh. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And the the rivalry between two actresses for that for that role, and. Um, uh, I think uh, I, w- I actually watched both seasons, and the second season was was much better. But the first season was uh, just uh, pretty bad, and people just weren't watching the second season. But um, to me, uh, well, for me, I think Cop Rock is much more daring and interesting than than, than 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 Smash or Glee. Oh. Which I always thought Glee should have been a lot better than it was. I was always waiting for Glee to have that real bite, and mm-hmm. I kind of wanted it to be more like Election. You know, the Reese, mm-hmm. is it the Reese Witherspoon, uh, the yeah. Reese Witherspoon movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a bit darker, and it never was. And you know, sort of like I mean, Cut Rock went to some pretty dark places, and some dealt with some thorny issues. Cockrock actually did raise really interesting points. Yeah. And um, Smash was a terrible television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my ex was really into Smash, and it was just an atrociously bad television show. There's no other way to describe it. Um, and like it was chock full of great performers mm-hmm. who were just given steaming piles of crap. Yeah. It was just never interesting. It was never daring. It never went anywhere controversial or fascinating. It was just... Can we have a soap opera that is also a musical about mm-hmm. uh, musicals, and was just terrible. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Glee was just constantly too satisfied with itself to actually do anything. Yeah. Um, it was constantly was convinced that it had already been daring. Yeah. And uh, and instead, it's about a bunch of really annoying characters and their teacher who was clearly the worst professional educator working in America. 
And, like, it's just a bad show about characters that are not terribly interesting, who don't do anything interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem a lot of the times that I had with Glee was that they would just, like, roll out a character and be like, we've got a character who's in a wheelchair. We've got characters who are queer. <laughs> we've got characters who are people of color. Aren't we awesome? Oh, my God. Okay, well, anyway, we're done. Yeah. And uh, back to the white people love story. And, yes. and it was just like, I don't I don't know. Yeah. It was just, it, it was constantly radically overconfident of how uh, brave it was. Mm -hmm. The only interesting character in all of Glee was Christian Chenoweth's character, the alcoholic yes. who was trying to break up the main character's marriage. Yeah. And she was way out on the edge. She had really interesting flaws, really fascinating performance by an incredibly gifted performer who had some great songs in the course of that performance. Um, but is was the only good thing and showed up like three times ever. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to mention Glee because I've only seen like one or two episodes. <laughs> that was just the only other musical I had to reference to. No, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly the kind of thing, but I just thought Christine Chenoweth in our reboot of Cop Rock. Oh, obviously. Oh she has to be. She has to be, yeah. Who can she be and or... I like, what know. new character can we develop? Is she the one that you said that was the alcoholic in Glee? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what she could be? Could she be Crystal Ashtray's grandma? No. Well, why don't why why, why we were talking about um, Shatner Segal mm. as mm -hmm. the alcoholic um, captain who may have killed one of his wives? Why couldn't why can't Shatner be a a, a woman's name? Yeah, no, she could be Shatner Segal. She could be Captain Shatner Segal who may have killed one of her wives. Who may have killed one of her wives. Indeed, why not? Mm -hmm. And then the tension between her character and the mayor, Ray, is that here are these two powerful queer people, and he knows that she's not a good fit as captain, but he can't, as uh, as mayor, as a queer mayor, as a very public queer powerful figure, uh -huh. pressure, like push another queer figure out of the power structure, because that's he'd be betraying his own community. And what would she be putting in the closet with the press button once she takes it? I know, she's the captain. She's the captain, not oh, the chief. Oh, captain, not, not the chief. chief. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I want thinking. Ozzy to be the chief. Yeah. yeah. I think um, Ozzy would be a great chief. Yeah, he would be. He'd obviously be a better chief than the chief. So what happens to Captain Hollander, Hollander <laughs> and his wife with the prince? Oh, they've gone off to Seattle to solve crimes or in the rain. Still, or they're still running around their... Pan, wood paneled kitchen <laughs> yeah, they're stuck and they can't get the out kitchen. and it's like every time they push it there's like they open it up and it's like the sand worm coming through <laughs> <laughs> they're stuck in a perpetual dream season yeah yeah I think we even like leave that. it open ended that maybe somebody dosed him on a ton of acid and he went insane uh, yeah and so maybe that's what's happening yeah. to him and maybe he's in the loony bin him and his wife and his baby yeah, yeah all of them yeah that's why his kid's not moving it's the Kool-Aid. It's the Kool-Aid. Like, I don't know, I just, I feel like uh, musicals create, It's again, it's that surreal thing. They create the opportunity to have really unconventional, like weird, off-angle approaches to getting at something true and real about human experience. Yeah. And, um, and Cop Rock did a better job of that than a lot of other musical TV shows have. Mm-hmm. 
I I don't know. I I love one it. I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> <there we> <laughs> so I guess you know, uh, Cut Rock. We salute you. Totally. I I did some reading about uh, the ratings. Because uh-huh. you know he makes that joke about Heaven's Gate, the movie, yeah. not the Suicide Cult, except. <laughs> Secretly, he's psychic, and it's about the suicide cult. Yeah. Um, but, like, so, they t- in the 1990 1991 TV season, mm-hmm. Cop Rock was the 80th show out of 101 shows. Right. And had Fox Network not been brand spanking new mm-hmm. and being counted, then it would have been the lowest ranked show out of all television shows. Really? The only TV shows that Cop Rock was beating were Fox, and Fox was not totally nationally distributed by them. Yeah. Because um, there were small children running to the top of the mountain to change the antenna <laughs> to watch Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. And like, so I looked up the ratings for it. The last episode had 8 million viewers. Wow. And was considered a complete and total failure as a television show. This past week. Mm-hmm. If it had had 8 million viewers, it would have been a top 10 television show. What? Like live viewers? Same night viewers. Same night viewers. If we're yeah. comparing apples to apples, because you're right, at the time, you could Nielsen record was, anything. Yeah, like you, yeah. Could, you could watch stuff on your VCR, but yeah. like there was no way to capture that right. the way that there is now with like. Oh, that's uh, that's the cat that hates being everybody. Um, that's not the same cat that was no, it's down not. here. They look, Are they both they look the same, yeah. Oh my um, god, I was thinking. They're litter mates. Uh, oh. They're identical. Good but um, see what I said, twins. If you can't get a little person, get twins, and one of them will probably try to kill people. And this one is definitely going to try to kill people. Come but help me. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, 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 they're fairly lax at this prison when it comes to pets. Uh, we're, we're, they're we're, therapy we're, cats. Yeah, we're quite lucky in that respect. Yeah, I get to have therapy cats in my cell. Um, but uh, aw. Um, like, what the hell was I talking about? Uh, you were talking about Nielsen ratings. Oh, yeah. So, like, at the time, actually in the 80s, my family was a Nielsen family for, like, three months. And what that meant was you had a little paper booklet that you sat down and filled out when you were watching TV to say, I'm watching this show on this channel from this time to this time. Mm-hmm. And so, very imprecise, you know, et cetera. Now, these days, with like cable company provided DVR or with a TiVo mm-hmm. or with Netflix they things like that ship that information all, out yeah it's all automatically gathered and and if you're a Nielsen family now they just send you a device and it's aware of who's in the room and what you're watching and, and it records it all automatically you don't do a paper booklet like they basically only recorded live television yeah. and and if if it had gotten 8 million live views it would have been a top 10 show today because television show viewing is so much more fractured and there are so many more things to watch and like people talk about American Gods having been a real big deal on stars this week because mm-hmm. it got almost a million viewers mm-hmm. you know um, the first season of Mad Men each episode would get a few hundred thousand viewers and it was mm-hmm. this ridiculous cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. yeah you know it's just television markets are very different now mm-hmm. but uh, this show would be a runaway hit these days if it were produced and had as many viewers now as it did then i was a nielsen family of one and i sent in my journal of the one tv show that i was watching at the time at my friend's house because i didn't even have a television Mm -hmm. that was supernatural they're like what do you watch and i'm like 
from my friend's house, I watched blah, 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 you know, Thursdays at nine or whatever it was at the time. And I was like, I'm really glad they sent me that dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And I was like, well, at least this was easy. Well, they actually did end up sending me like 20 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I think they tried to get... I did start another kind of like budget balancing review thing for the the government that they wanted me to do. But that mm-hmm. was a different survey that then went into my email that became a junk email and then I just stopped checking it but I um I was like I'm not the person to review for them but I was like <laughs> they need to have the low end they need to have the person who watches one yeah, television yeah, show a year and yeah, that's totally. about it you yeah. know I'm, I'm kind of like the bottom end of the bell curve on the television <laughs> watching you know it's like sometimes I'm at the bottom end yeah mm. and we know that <laughs> I uh, Ring my bell. <laughs> that was better than uh, it's just daughter wife song. Yeah, <laughs> I like the premiere of Cop Rock got almost 15 million viewers. Wow, and, and was considered okay, successful. Yeah, um, this week the highest rated television show was NCIS and had fewer viewers than the premiere of Cop Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, NCIS is almost always NCIS and the Big Bang Theory are almost always the top rated shows and neither of them did as well this week as the premiere of Cop Rock did now the next week Cop Rock got 8 million viewers and then it had 8 million viewers every week for the rest of its run mm-hmm. but that was considered a complete failure and, wow. and like, so what was the high ranking rate for shows at that time like what was the high like if they were 87 out of 101 how many millions watched number one yeah that's the thing like the number one rated show got something like 20 million viewers that okay made just a lot there were fewer options yeah and so more people yeah would a higher percentage of the population watched fewer things so less options and more connectivity to what shows you watched at certain times because I remember mm-hmm. like people were like oh that's the night I watched so and so I can't I can't mm-hmm. do anything exactly like, like my life is like chained to the show because I need to watch it yeah mm-hmm. I was like what the fuck I'm like I gotta climb up the goddamn mountain <laughs> to change the antenna yeah just to watch one episode once a week I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch these other three shows and not climb the fucking mountain yeah exactly yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's such a weird. The, the ratings is such a weird thing. Yeah. Well, like I say, if they were making Cop Rock today, it would be a smash hit. I think it would be. And I, I think if they were making Cop Rock today, it would be a smash hit. I mean, I'm not saying like obviously if you had eight million viewers, it would be a smash hit. But even it, but you know today it wouldn't get eight million viewers, but it would get enough viewers. To be a smash hit. Yeah. So, if it got a million viewers now, it would be good enough to keep making it. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, they were having to get literally give away advertising time. They were charging advertisers zero dollars for spots during Cop Rock in order to fill the commercial breaks. Did they show all eleven episodes? They did show all eleven episodes. Right. The last episode played on December twenty sixth, nineteen ninety. Of course, it did. It says on the yeah. DVD box. Mm-hmm. Well, I will miss it. Yeah, I, I do too. Like, I, I feel a little sad now that it's over. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny because we started off this podcast and we were 
you know, ripping the shit out of it. Like, you wouldn't <laughs> believe. And I think it would be interesting to listen, for us to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And to, uh, m- m- my, I suspect that what we'll find is that we we gradually become grudgingly uh, respectful of what Cockrock attempted to do and perhaps mm-hmm. it wasn't always successful but at least it tried well and like I feel I feel like A as the show progresses it does actually get better yes. they get better at making it mm-hmm. and there was something that Bochco talked about at the time he was asked repeatedly about the low ratings quote unquote and he would say well Hill Street Blues did poorly its first season too mm-hmm. like lots of shows these days do poorly their first season but they're also given more of a chance I think to develop an audience yeah. because creators know that a show can get by on fewer viewers now yes um, I mean look at Supergirl as an example the first season of it on CBS is I mean it's actually not a very good show uh-huh. and uh, but the people at CW really saw the potential CBS was like get that shit out of here mm-hmm. and the CW bought that shit up did a season premiere where they just completely rewrite the terms of the show right. in a major way radically improve it and it's been a huge hit for the CW okay. but on the scale of the CW yeah you know yeah. and it's it's having people A being more interested in in recognizing the potential of a show that the show has not yet reached mm-hmm. and B being more willing to give a show a chance yeah you know I mean look at the things that Netflix has now picked up and or Hulu has now picked up and, and bought and done additional seasons or done reboots or done revivals or whatever mm-hmm. and said, no, there's the, the audience doesn't have to be huge for this to be profitable anymore. Yeah. Well, I feel as um, that if Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or whoever wants to um, pick up this show, um, they can easily, they could easily reboot this show with just a few nods to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Coprock comes with this reputation for being this crazy show from 1990 that yeah. didn't do particularly well and tried to, you know, and, and, and it's so unique that whoever reboots it now, they, they're kind of guaranteed a certain amount of viewers a considerable amount of viewers who are going to tune in just to see this weird show, just to see yeah. what the fuck this is about. And kind of based on novelty, too. Yeah. Because I have a lot yeah. of people who are like, oh, yeah, I remember Cop Rock. Yeah. So like, Really? So, you yeah. know, if you're listening, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, give it a try. Yeah, why not? Make ten episodes. Make five episodes. Yeah. Give it an arc. Give it a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Be done with it and we're happy. Yeah. Control alt delete and reboot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean let's as face long as it. Ray is mayor. As long as it may, uh, Ray's mayor and yes, all all our other casting considerations must be uh, 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 all our other casting suggestions must be taken into consideration. But um bearing in mind everything that's going on these days with the police. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think it's uh, all these questions are still relevant. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, with the statement, was it the lawyer or the um, the DA's closing yeah, statement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just CCH Pounder just slamming something that could be totally relevant to twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and one hundred percent. And that's not going to change unless, mm-hmm. like, somebody said. We have to listen. What was it? <laughs> not one for quotes, but um, there was something that was saying about there's change isn't going to happen unless people. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long episode. It has been a long episode. But like, I mean, it's. I mean, it's not. This topic isn't anything new. It's not new to our society. I mean, you know. Yeah. No. What's the What's the Latin key custodia custodia? I don't remember now how to pronounce it. But that's where who watches the Watchmen comes from. Right. The Romans were having this problem, and probably the Egyptians before them. Yeah. You know. But anyway, um, I. Would ask bad cop, good cop, an innocent bystander. But I think this week, just should should we all be good cop? I'm ready to good cop the whole series. Let's we just give the yeah. the whole series a big old thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm glad we did this. I'm thrilled we did this. Actually, me too. Me too. I've enjoyed yeah. this. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. Uh, if you've stuck with us through all 11 episodes, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. And we hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to parts of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go online and fight for the uh, the reboot. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I wouldn't expect anybody to enjoy all of it, you know, because I don't want the moon on a stick. I just want somebody out there to have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, and if you were involved in making this show in some way, then get in touch because yeah, despite the fact that we have taken the piss several times over the course of the last few weeks, I think we're all huge fans actually. Oh, despite that, I have completely slagged on this show. Mm-hmm. The fact that I have made endless fun of some of the performers, some of the storylines, some of the writing, some of the songs. I'm still thrilled that it exists. I yeah. am grateful to the people who made it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's been a very, very enjoyable experience of, uh, of uh, doing this with you guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, although, to be honest with you, what else was I going to do in prison? Just make fucking raffia baskets. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just going to say just make fucking... Lace. Or just make lace. Yeah. <laughs> fucking and lace. That's all you got all you know, day. Lace all got. and I wash fucking... my pants, so I have to make my trousers. <laughs> yes. So I have, to, I have to make more lace now. Well, and... Um, I hate to, you know, I'd hate for us to go out on a threat, but there might be a little bonus episode coming down the line in a few months' time. Just what maybe. A, is yeah. it a bonus or is it a boner? It's a boners <laughs> episode. <laughs> boners episode. I think, I think boners episode is my other podcast. I'm really I'm sorry. Over, <laughs> over, <laughs> you're right, actually. I prefer a boner over a bonus any day. Okay. Well, there's going to be there, there may be a boners episode. So if you have subscribed, Lord knows why, but if you have subscribed to this podcast, and uh, and then you've you've listened to this episode and you're thinking, oh, there we go, I can un- safely unsubscribe now. Please don't. Yeah, no, stay subscribed because we do have a surprise in mind for you. It may, it'll be in a few months, but it'll come. And for the record, if anybody involved in the show gets in touch with us, 
Oh, we're hella interviewing them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, no shit. We don't have to if you don't want to. Obviously, we'd just be really grateful to hear from you. But we would we would really love to talk to people involved in making this show. Oh, Gaines, will you marry me? Oh, and then me. <laughs> and then me. And then marry all of us. And also uh, 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 LaRusso, CCH Pounder, Barbara Bosson. I mean, I'd marry... Any of you lot. Yeah. Totally. And on that bombshell. <laughs> I okay, let's let's not let anybody forget who we are. Okay. I'm Sergeant Snout. I'm Detective Duda. And I'm Officer Orifice. <laughs> and we're saying go Go copy, copy yourself. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Watch Cop Rock is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme music for Let's Watch Cop Rock is The Crime by Risework, released under a Creative Commons Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 License. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter as at CopRocker and at Officer Orifice. And I was punished, I did my time, and now the jury in silent main. Has passed the verdict Seems I'm